Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. One of my earliest childhood memories is my fascination with all things unexplained and exciting like witchcraft, spells and magic, as I intuitively knew that these were the glimpses into other dimensions and realities which I wanted so much to explore. You can tell, of course, that I am a huge fan of Harry Potter, (laughs) but probably only until his story became dark and violent departing from the beauty and positivity of white magic. I love talking about magic, which is simply a quantum modality of utilizing our innate powers, as far as I am concerned, which we forgot we have. So, as part of my quantum exploration, I've been on a hunt for witchy guests. And to my delight, I have found one. Pamela, or Mela Borowski, is an intuitive energy healer, hypnotherapist, author, and self-proclaimed Green Hedge Witch, living in South Carolina. She has studied and practiced spiritual witchcraft for over 20 years, and is an ordained pagan minister and leader in her local community. She is certified in hypnotherapy, life coaching, and spiritual studies, and holds a diploma in Integrative Healing Arts Practitioner from the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Mela is the founder of Three Rays of Light Company and an online school, Green Wild Mystical Academy, where she is head instructor. She is also the host of a wonderful witchy podcast, Bell, Book and Candle. And she's joining me now, by the magic of the internet, all the way from South Carolina. Hi, Mela. Thank you for coming. Thank you, and welcome to Quantum Living. What a pleasure to have you as my guest in this mysterious space where science meets spirituality and anything can happen. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Beautiful. When we had a chat before this interview, I could see so many rabbit holes we could go into. (laughs) You have such a rich and broad experience, and there are literally 1,001 topics we could fully dive into. So so this conversation can literally go anywhere, and most likely it will. But the key topic I'd like to focus on is the pagan witchcraft through the eyes of a hypnotherapist and an evolved soul. So let's set the scene for this conversation. Could you please share with us your hero journey of personal transformation and self-discovery 
that led you to this amazing spiritual path of paganism and witchcraft? Yes, I grew up in what really could only be described as a cult, a fundamentalist, evangelical small church that met all the hallmarks of an abusive cult. I was very insulated. And this idea of even as a child having psychic gifts and witchcraft and tarot, all these things I was taught as a child were of the devil. Yet I was having these spiritual experiences, even as a child, through my dreams, through doing magic that I didn't even know was magic at the time. And I had a lot of trauma in my childhood from my parents and from the church. And so when I got old enough to go to college, I was told I could go to Bible college. That was my choice. So I went to Bible college and that opened up my eyes to a lot more, interestingly enough, because it was much more open than the church I'd grown up in. But with everything that happened to me, I got to the point where I did not want anything to do with spirituality, religion, or any God. I was very angry. Mm. Okay. And as I kind of went forward, I'll be 50 years old this year. So it's been a long, a long journey. And, you know, as, as we know, the hero's journey often goes around and around. Life is a spiral. And so I got to the point where I was getting a divorce from my husband and It was all based on the fact that by that time, I was, I may not be calling myself a witch in public, but I was a witch. I was a pagan and his church did not agree with that. And so they told him to depart from the unbeliever to get rid of me, basically. Wow. During that time, I was sent by my parents to dialectical behavior therapy, to counseling, to deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that allowed me to learn to love myself. And that was the key. That was the key to everything. My spirituality, Mm -hmm. getting back together with my husband, everything, learning to love myself saved my marriage and saved my life. And so as I just got back with my husband, I also learned to be more authentic and being authentic meant I was connected to nature and I felt more with the divine next to a roaring waterfall than in any church building. Mm. And so just naturally over the years, I studied, I read everything I could get into and I talked to people and I looked up things online and I have been a pagan for about 20 years or so now, but only really open in my community about five years. But that's kind of in a nutshell, Mm. (laughs) many, many decades (laughs) of, getting to the point of fundamentalist evangelical to a practicing witch. (laughs) Yes. But obviously one thing led to another and you were clearly on your spiritual path. Mm -hmm. You describe your spiritual path as eclectic paganism, a green hedge witch walking the path of the green wild tradition, which sounds like the next installment of Harry Potter. Uh, And I absolutely love it. Could you please unpack this for us? How does witchcraft relate to paganism? I mean, is it one and the same? And what is the green wild tradition? Yeah, I would love to talk about that because it's really a misconception about paganism and witchcraft being one and the same. So paganism 
is my spiritual path. I'm one of those people that say that they're spiritual, but not religious. And paganism just happens Mm -hmm. to be my spirituality. And that is how I view the divine. It's how I view the world around me. And it's also how I'm connected to everything. And then being a witch or witchcraft is a skill set that I believe anyone can do. I have friends that are Christian witches. I know atheist witches, Jewish witches, Shinto witches, just to name a few. So you can you can add witchcraft to any spirituality. Mm. So I just happen to be a pagan witch. And, you know, if you think about the granny witches of Appalachia, their magic and their spells are all focused on Bible verses. So you can use spells and magic with anything. Absolutely. There are, as you said, many misconceptions about uh, paganism and witchcraft and a poor understanding of what it is. So let's talk for a moment about witchcraft and various misconceptions such as, is wizard the male version of the witch? Are all witches weaken? And also there are many negative connotations, if you like, linked to evil, Satan, negativity casting bad spells and curses to control others and basically being something completely opposite to spirituality, which of course is incorrect unless you are a black witch or bad witch or negative witch, however you can describe (laughs) this polarity. Could you lift the veil for us of the witchy craft, the witchcraft and talk to those misconceptions and fears? Absolutely. A witch can be any gender at all, not just female. And in the circles that I'm in, men don't call themselves wizards. Wizards is pretty much from fiction, Harry Potter, that sort of thing. I do know one person who has chosen to call himself a warlock. But for the most part, everyone that I'm with or everyone that I know even online, which is just the term for everyone. So as far as that goes, it's pretty much anyone. There's there's no gender to it. And Wicca, that is that is a huge misconception. And people even talk about my podcast being a Wiccan podcast and things like that. But Wicca is a religion that's under the paganism umbrella. Okay. And not all pagans are Wiccan. And so I, I'm not Wiccan. I happen to be a witch. I happen to be pagan, but I'm just, I don't walk the Wiccan path. So that's, that's a, what's the key difference? What's the key difference? It's kind of like saying, if you are under the Christian umbrella, it's kind of like saying one person is a Catholic and one person is a Baptist. Mm-hmm. It's just different beliefs. It's, it's their ritual. They have a certain way they do ritual. They have a certain way they connect to the divine and they have certain words and ways that they set up their altar. So it, it's a religion because it has a, a dogma. It has a, a leadership and all that sort of thing. Okay. And whereas under the pagan umbrella, you've got so many, so many different ways that people connect to nature which is really what the pagan umbrella is, all the earth-based religions and spiritualities. 
as far as the devil goes uh, and evil and that sort of thing, Satan, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know any witch or pagan that is ascribed, you know, to Satan. (laughs) That doesn't mean that they're not, but I think that that is a misconception that a lot of fiction and television shows and movies have really just like Sabrina, the teenage witch is showing that, you know, witches are under the service of Satan. Most witches don't even believe that Satan or the devil exists, to be honest. Do you have a broom? I do. <laughs> I have I have a broom. I have a small broom. Um, I make brooms for people. <laughs> ah, okay. Do you fly on them? Not technically, but if you are talking about maybe something like astral travel or journey, okay. which is which yeah. is really where it comes from, because the witches didn't actually get on their broom and go fly across the moon. But they did take journeys into the other world or the green wild, as I call it. That's why I call myself um, a part of the green wild tradition. It's my own path that I am creating. And I call that other world the green wild. And in fact, being a hedge witch, which is one of the things I call myself, is because that hedge or that veil, you cross from the physical world into the spiritual world. And so a lot of times that was termed the hedge. Um, the the liminal space into that other space. And I just call that the green wild. Right. I believe that the whole concept of witchcraft came from the medicine man or medicine woman in the original indigenous traditions and communities. There were people with certain sensitivities, certain skills, and the ability to connect with the spirit and do travel, do go to other dimensions and other realities in trance. So is this the origin of witchcraft, if you like? I think that that plays a huge part in it. Witches were the healers, the the people who were making the herbal remedies. They were the the people who were birthing babies and sitting with people as mm. they were dying. They were the medicine men and the shamans and all these different people in every single culture that like me with a, being a hedge, witch, I have one foot in the spirit world, one foot in the physical world. Mm. And that's, I think where a lot of witchcraft, witchcraft has just gotten such a bad connotation to the word. But when you go back and you look at kind of the etymology of it, it's really just a person, a healer who had this connection to a source bigger than themselves. Yeah. These days, they often call such people light workers. So people who have developed certain sensitivities and certain abilities to function, as you said, with one foot in this world and, and the other foot in another dimension in the spirit world. And they can connect and pass on information between the two. Mm-hmm. So what about curses and bad witches and people who want to cause harm? That exists in anything, in any religion, any spirituality, any path that you're on, people make choices. You know, we're sovereign beings and that sovereignty includes the choice to do evil, to do 
terrible things to people. And, and there's a spectrum of on it as well. You have people going all the way to using magic to really cause harm to the world, to, to nature. And you think, well, if you're connected to nature, why are you harming a part of nature, humans or anything else? But it happens because as humans, in our human mind, this is how I think, people are going to make choices and they either make a selfish choice, which is kind of what I call the evil path. They make the selfish, self-centered choice of what do I need to do to have that person as my partner or anything else that they want kind of selfishly in their life. Because when people do evil, it's kind of a selfish concept. And, and then you have the people that are just kind of on, on the edge, just they'll, they'll dabble a little bit. So you have this full spectrum of people who are, maybe they're not light workers, but they have tapped into that power that we have to do magic. It can definitely be used for evil and for terrible things. And anyone who says otherwise has not really taken a look at the world today, I think. Yes, I completely agree with you. And those people, whether whether they consider this themselves and label themselves as witches or not, who consciously want to harm others and cause evil things and damage, don't realize that they are doing it to themselves because it will come back to them. Life is like a boomerang. When you throw it, it turns around and comes back at you. Could you talk to this for a moment in your experience, why people are so reckless and so ignorant? In this respect, I totally, yeah, I totally believe that because for myself, that is why I don't need to cast certain spells. I don't need to do something harmful to the persons that abused me in my childhood. I've never had to do that because I firmly believe that in the law of cause and effect, really, the law of cause and effect is that. Whatever is put out, whatever you do or cause, there will be an effect. I don't have to put myself in that position to be the person that is giving that karma or effect or whatever you want to call it back to them. It'll come to them. I think these people who are taking on that job for themselves, I think it again comes to selfishness. They see themselves as the people that need to put out the, you know, the effect to, to give the retribution or judgment. And I think it just comes to thinking too highly of yourself, really. Not knowing your place in the universe and not just letting things work out as it will. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum Living is the space you want to be in. My Quantum Living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. 
In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about paganism. What does it mean to be a pagan? What are some common beliefs that all pagans share? And the most common misconception uh, about paganism, I would think, is that just like witchcraft, it is a lifestyle and a philosophical position devoid of all spirituality. And in the Middle Ages, those who refused to join the Catholic Church were called pagans and persecuted. Uh, And these were, in fact, people living mainly in the rural countryside. So there was that connection with nature, with Mother Earth from the start. But there was this umbrella belief that if you are a pagan, meaning you are not a spiritual person, you don't believe in any higher power or higher intelligence, and God forbid you refuse to join the Catholic Church, then that was the end of you. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, this concept, modernized obviously, is being perpetuated in some circles, especially in religious circles, rather than wanting to understand the real nature of paganism, that it is a very spiritual, philosophical and lifestyle position. Could you talk to this, please? The word pagan really comes from, like you were saying, a nasty word to describe people. And it's one of those words that has been reclaimed. There's lots of words like that through history that has been reclaimed. Pagan and paganism has been reclaimed. But when when it was first being used, yeah, I I like to say that it kind of translated to the hicks and the sticks. (laughs) And it's just like those hicks and the sticks won't (laughs) convert to Catholicism, uh, to Christianity. They're out there worshiping their gods still. They're still out there doing their rituals. So let's see what we can do to make them. And so, yeah, pagan was a nasty word towards that. But now it's come to mean this, this umbrella of earth-based religion, earth-based spiritual path. And there's definitely a, a, a lot of lifestyle going on. There's spirituality. People have gods, goddesses. And sometimes you have a pantheistic view, which is myself. And that view is that there is an overarching energy source of the universe and the gods and goddesses and those types of things are more like archetypes or uh, just aspects of the one big source. That's what I believe. But I have lots and lots Mm. of friends who are polytheistic who believe that each god and goddess is their own separate energy. And and so you have all these different Mm -hmm. spiritual beliefs 
and paths under this huge umbrella. And so therefore, you're going to have a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different ways that people believe. But as far as some beliefs that we all kind of share, most people who are pagans are going to believe in the interconnectedness of everything. Everything is connected. We're not Mm. separated from the divine. Many religions talk about this separation. No, we are involved. We are part of, it's almost as if the divine is all around us and the divine is within us as well. Mm. And then we also believe usually that all parts of the universe are sacred. And so this is where you get to the earth-centered part of it, is that everything is important. Everything is sacred. And most pagans that I know of also don't believe that we are born sinful or flawed. That is something that a lot of pagans share. We don't come into the world spiritually Mm. damned. We're born with the tools to make something of our life. We're born with gifts. We are born with the skills necessary to live ethical and spiritual lives. That doesn't mean that people Mm. always do. There's that choice coming in again, but we have that capability. Well, Based on this description, Mela, I could call myself a pagan because <laughs> I think a lot of people yes. could, and they don't understand that they yes. are pagans. Because what you have just described <laughs> are essentially the beliefs that I have and I share, and and that's what I express in on my own spiritual path. Yes, I just don't use the label, but. That that's essentially what it is. So, what about the connection the earth with nature? Is this another common denominator of paganism, or again, it depends on the version, if you like, that you that you subscribe to? That's going to be pretty common with with all pagans. It comes into play with that interconnectedness because then, if if we are all connected, that means that the blade of grass outside, the sun in the sky, the stars, water flowing in the river, the animals, us, we are all as important on this universe and on this planet. And and so because of that, we honor and respect these types of things. and, And we're interested in looking at the moon and following grandmother moon on her cycles and all these different things like that, the the cycles of nature through the seasons um, and harvest and gardening and all these sorts of things. And not all pagans and and witches are gardeners, but pretty much every pagan that I can even think of offhand just will have a plant in their house or they'll have an animal or they're close to animals or they just like to look at animal pictures. But that really connection to nature, I think, comes from comes from the interconnectedness of everything. Absolutely. You know what I do, which is perhaps a strange thing to do, <laughs> as some people <laughs> might say, but whenever I'm putting up my washing out outside to dry, I thank the sun and the wind for drying my clothes for free. Mm. I don't take it for granted. Yeah. One would say, well, you know, it's a sun, it's a wind, it's everywhere. You just, no. To me, the sun is a consciousness. Even the wind as flowing energy 
has consciousness within it. So I just do this, you know, either out loud if no one can hear me or <laughs> or just in my mind. I say, Thank you, Sana. Thank you, Wind, for drying my clothes because I don't take it for granted. And I want to say thank you. And I swear to you that quite often I hear, oh, thank you for acknowledging us. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I just feel such a connection with all the energies around me and I don't take them for granted. I really don't. I think that's so key because people have taken it for granted for so long. And for me, I love going barefoot. And when I go outside and my feet on the ground as an empath, that is a healing thing for me. It's healing for anyone. It enables me to just push all that extra energy, all those emotions down into Mother Earth. And she transforms it for me. And I say thank you all the time. If I see a butterfly on my butterfly bush, thank you for coming and visiting me dragonflies outside oh my goodness look it's beautiful dragonflies my husband laughs at me because I'm amazed at everything <laughs> the red leaf on the tree and the sunset and yeah. it's just, I, I've seen you know a thousand sunsets but they're all just amazing and such an expression of just love from the universe to me Absolutely. I love hugging trees. It is energy. It is consciousness in its own right. Mm. There is always an exchange of energy between obviously plants and trees and the earth and the sun and us as human beings living here. So I don't know, maybe I should start calling myself a pagan. (laughs) 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 I understand that as part of being a pagan minister, you are called to clear unwanted or negative spirits from homes, mm. property, and sometimes attachments on people. Could you share with us some paranormal, witchy, pagan experiences you had while doing this, such as ghost encounters, residual hauntings, and other psychic phenomena? Yes, I love talking about paranormal experiences because I've been having them since I was a child and I have led a ghost tour at our local museum for several years. So I I love talking about this. And one time I went to a home and I was called in because there was a lot of negative energy there. The person who owned the house was feeling very heavy, was uh, having just I think she would actually see something standing at the end of her bed. And uh, there was just a lot of things going on. So I brought a a lady that I've been mentoring with me. Her friend came as well. And as soon as we walked in, it was a very small house, a four room house. When we walked in, the friend got sick and she had to go immediately outside. And she already had scratches on her body. (gasps) That's that's how thick and just physical scratches. Physical. physical scratches. Wow. And she had not bumped into anything. We had just walked in and she had scratches on her body. So we said, go outside, you know, take care of yourself. 
And so we just started to cleanse that home. And it was a small home, but it took us hours because our sage, we were burning sage. And when we would burn the smoke, it would actually go the opposite direction sometimes. And one time we were in the kitchen, it actually got knocked out of our hand and put out. Gosh. It was, yeah, this was a crazy experience. I was using a pendulum and I was using that to clear the lady I was mentoring was using the sage and we were going one by one and we felt a lot of dark energy on a few paintings that were hanging and also Mm. in the fireplace. And I just knew I could tell that this, there was a lot of dark energy in the attic, but the attic was sealed shut. And so Mm. I wasn't, able to get up in that attic. So we did as best as we could. And I'm clairvoyant. So when we got in the kitchen, I started having visions of some abuse that had gone on in the past in this home. And I felt like that was maybe some residual things going on of just the negativity and the feeling that we were getting. But Mm. there was something up in that attic and it would come down the chimney into the fireplace that was there. And so we we put sigils of protection around the house, but I couldn't get in the attic. And I just knew that something had gone up in there. The light changed. It was Mm. brighter, but we had not cleared it correctly. I mean, we had not cleared it completely. And why why was the attic sealed? It was an old hunting lodge and there were, there was no ladder or anything. And I think that just many, many, many years ago, they had just sealed the door for some reason. We don't know. The, the owner okay. had no idea. And when I left, I was so exhausted. And on the back of both of my of my arms, there were scratches of like of fingernails that looked like going down. And it took over a week wow. for those to heal. And they were on both arms. I didn't run into anything. They were scratch marks mm. down it. So about a year later. They were still having problems, of course, because we did not get it completely. Mm -hmm. So this was last year, 2020. We got in the attic. I brought my dad with me. We brought a ladder. He brought his knife. He cut the attic door. And we went in there. And that was so, it was so creepy Mm -hmm. because I got up on the ladder and it was murmuring it was it was talking to me and it was it was a murmuring in one corner that was so I don't want to say terrifying because that sort of thing I don't have the fear about that but it was unsettling and so I said you are getting out of here I don't care who you are what you are you are getting out of here and so I did my sigils up there and I spoke my my um command that it would leave the home and I went back down into the one room where the the door was we felt a rush of energy come past us the back screen door opened up there was no wind it opened up and then it slammed shut and then the entire energy of the house changed and it had gone so that nasty spirit or energy had left finally had left and then I dealt with the owner. And I said, 
you have got to do things with your life and you have got to get some help because mm. your own negativity, it's like it has become that attached to you. And I did a healing on her and uh, cord cutting and that sort of thing and said, you have got to make different choices. You can't bring certain stuff in the house. You can't entertain certain things. You have got to have a more positive outlook, really, because when you are hanging things on your wall, she had this painting that was so just uh, evil, really, that Mm. she actually burned it outside because we said, we're not telling you what to do, but there's something wrong Mm -hmm. with this painting. And so she burned Mm -hmm. it and everything got lighter. But if you bring haunted items or just different things like that into your home and you are dealing with all these negative thoughts and depression, that opens a door to things to attach to you. Yeah, absolutely. So while you were dealing with that nasty spirit, you didn't try to connect with it, to ask it why was it there or to communicate with it in some form? It wasn't necessary. A lot of people that I know do that, uh-huh. and I will send the people that do that to homes that want to connect, but really, by the time that they decide to call me in, they just want it gone, okay. and and so in some situations, I will connect. There was another situation that was a, a, on a piece of land, and there was a mobile home next door to a house that they had bought. And there was a spirit. There was a spirit that just kept kind of messing with things and, and nothing terrible. It wasn't this, the evil that I felt from the other house, but they wanted it gone. And so I asked questions and I went and this mobile home was being used as a storage unit. And I asked about the person that lived there before. And it turned out that she had died in the home And they had bought that property next door so that they could use use it as a storage unit. Well, I connected with the spirit that was there and it turned out that it was that woman. And when I was connecting with her and asking her, why haven't you moved on? Why are you doing these things? Why are you creating problems for these people? She was so angry about not only dying young, but these people next door using her home as a storage unit. She was so angry about that. And she was concerned about her plants outside in her yard. <laughs> and so there I turned uh. to the, the couple and I said, she wants to know if you will take care of these plants. And I pointed out the plants that she had pointed out to me. Mm. And the couple said, yes, absolutely. We will take care of those plants and promised that they would do that. And after, after they did that, I saw this smoky form rise up, up into the trees and the energy just cleared right Mm -hmm. away. It was just like something lifted as she crossed over. And so in that situation, I did communicate and find out what we needed to do in this other situation. It was a little bit different. I didn't come in wanting to connect with that. I just wanted it out. Okay. Thank you for sharing lovely stories. Very engaging, (laughs) but creepy. But that's, I guess, what we want to hear. And yes, it is quite common to know of spirits that are earthbound who are unable or unwilling to move on on their spiritual path into the other side. 
have you been ever drawn to or called upon to help in the spirit transition or is it not necessarily what you do? Yeah, I will help whoever I can. So if someone calls me to do that, I absolutely will. It seems like the most of the calls that I get are when they've called everyone else. They've brought in the paranormal investigation team. They've brought in a shaman. In one case, they brought in all these different people to try to communicate and figure out and do this. And then they say, all right, let's call Mel and get it out of here. <laughs> let's go. <call> Mel. <laughs> when everything else fails, call Mel. <laughs> so you were the, the final frontier, the ultimate ghostbuster. Yeah. <laughs> It's good in the sense that you, you clearly have those innate powers. And I believe that certain psychic skills, such as being able to connect with the other side, as we call it, or other dimensions, other realities, yes, they can be taught and developed to an extent, but I firmly believe that This is something that we carry on to every lifetime as our karmic DNA, if you like. That's why when we were chatting earlier on, I mentioned that I'm fairly positive that in one of the past lives or more, even more than one, we were fellow witches. (laughs) 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 I certainly have memories of these lifetimes. In fact, I feel that this is my so lineage, if you like, because in various lifetimes I was doing this work. So I fe- I believe that there is a what I call a karmic DNA or ancestral DNA or soul DNA that we carry over to various lifetimes. But again, we have a choice to draw on it or not, to use it and develop it or not. There needs to be a seed in our soul that will allow us to do this work. What do you think? I think that the gifts, and it seems to me that you're talking about spiritual gifts, that sort of thing, uh, that, yeah, we carry that with us. And I can think back to past life regressions that I've had done on me. And yeah, I was a witch in many of them. I was a druid. I was a priestess. I was a nun. There, I mean, all these spiritual things that the thread of it has stayed with me through all my lives, whether, whether it's gotten to a point that has been, you know, a good ending or a not so good ending because of my choices and then the lessons that I'm learning. But I do a lot of past life regression through my work with hypnosis. And I tell, tell people all the time, let's open up those Akashic records that are in your DNA your soul story. Let's go and see what's going on in there. I think as far as, you know, we're talking about witchcraft, I think that everybody has the ability to use magic in their life. But as far as, is everybody clairvoyant? Is everybody able to go and clear spirits? Is everyone able to 
see angels? No, not everybody is. Yeah. We all have different gifts. Absolutely. So, Mela, how do you incorporate witchcraft in your daily life and in your work with clients? I love this question because it's so important to me to put your spirituality in your everyday life. And I tell people all the time, I'm not just a witch on full moons, a witch every day, every day, all day long. Every morning. That's right. Every moon. And I I see my witchcraft, my my spirituality, because it's all kind of meshed, meshed together for me. In the way that when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you, Mm. you know, before my feet hit the ground, thank you that I woke up to another day and setting the intention of gratitude. Gratitude is so important to me. It changes your life. And so my, my mat, the magic of gratitude is looking at the good in people, the good in situations, not Mm. just getting lost in all the terrible things that are going on. It's, it's a magic to be Mm. able to be positive and to be grateful. I also talk to my plants. I Mm -hmm. talk to the trees Mm -hmm. outside. I talk to my animals constantly. They talk back to me. I have this commitment to my land. And when I'm walking on it, I'm talking to it. I put magic into my food. I, I call myself a green hedge witch, but you can add a lot more in there. I'm a kitchen witch. I'm a hearth witch. I'm all, you know, all these different things. But when I stir my coffee in the morning and I put creamer in it, I'm putting magic into my coffee because Mm. it's so easy to do. You just take your cup, stir clockwise. So when you're putting something in, you want to go clockwise and you just say, I am going to have a great day. I'm putting all positivity, all healing into this cup of coffee everything beautiful into this cup of coffee and that's enchanting your cup of coffee absolutely so you are walking your talk and you're walking your path which is beautiful you just mentioned something really interesting (laughs) about (laughs) stirring coffee in or or tea in in your cup uh, clockwise i actually can relate to that because whenever i stir something or even clean something, I want to do it clockwise. And whenever I do it counterclockwise, it just feels strange to me. Not necessarily wrong, but I actually feel that I am moving the energy in the opposite direction. So when I see Mm -hmm. people stirring their coffee counterclockwise, I almost want to say, don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) carry it clockwise so this is just one of those little funny funny little things when we tune into the energy which i guess is the underpinning concept in this conversation to tune in to understand that everything is energy to sense it i think counterclockwise is great is great as well if you know how to use the energy. So if you are adding things in, you're stirring clockwise, but let's say you go in and you make this, this pot of chili and you are so angry and you're just angry at the day and you've got all this negative energy, that negative energy is going to get into your food. Why wouldn't it? That's how it works. Yes. So you take your spoon and you stir it counterclockwise that removes 
And so you remove all that and you say, instead of the other that I said, you would say, I'm removing all negativity, all anger, all rage, all everything that got that happened that was terrible today out of this chili. And then you can go clockwise again and say, and now I'm adding happiness and love and community into this chili. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, it it really resonates with me, and and I think that our listeners will have a bit of a fun, <laughs> bit of fun with it. But it's so true. So that's exactly how I feel. I've been always fascinated with the concept of having a mm-hmm. clock that goes counterclockwise in the opposite direction to go back in time. <laughs> I remember you know, as a child, there was a movie or there was something that I have seen where that concept was used that, you know, you move the clock counterclockwise and you go back mm-hmm. in time. But conceptually, that's exactly what it is. You're taking something away or you move the energy backwards. If it happens to be a clock, maybe you are moving <laughs> back in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny that you mentioned that because... Recently, when I was in the ER, um, and as I was sitting there, because there were so many people, I was told that it would be at least five hours before I was seen. It ended up being eight hours that I sat there by myself. And so on my arm, I was doing the clock. And so probably three or four times through that eight-hour time period, I sat there and I did a spell. And I said, time moves fast. Time moves fast. Time moves fast. And bef- and then two hours had passed. Yeah. I mean, it worked. Yeah. I do not feel to this day that it felt like I was sitting there for eight hours. Yes. Before I knew it, I was back there. Yes. Yes. I can relate to this because that's what I often do when I want to speed up the time or slow it down. And I truly believe that we can do this with our intention. The end of the day, there's no time, so it's only our perception. So we are playing with our perception, and then obviously our external reality adjusts to our perception. But yes, I can absolutely relate to that. Very, very good point. Okay, let's talk about ethics. Yeah. Working with, especially working with clients, but even just in your in your daily life, mm-hmm. having those powers, having those skills, having those abilities and working with people in this space, could you talk to the ethics mm-hmm. and the integrity of your work with clients? I think this is quite important because Unless something is highlighted and talked about, it is often taken for granted. So could you talk to this, please, to the ethics and integrity? Ethics is so important to me. Ethics is something that I bring into my business, and it's something that I bring into my witchcraft. And when I teach classes on paganism, on spellcasting, I bring ethics into that because you have to think about what you're doing. You have to really examine 
what am I trying to do? And is there another way to do it? Is there something in real life that I should be doing? And that's part of ethics as well. We we don't want to just go to magic for every single thing. I see magic as even something as simple as saying a prayer. So it's all moving and transforming energy. And I said that to a Presbyterian church one time and (laughs) they didn't know how to take me (laughs) that they were all casting spells when they prayed, but really you can call it anything you want, but Mm. you're still casting spell prayer, whatever. So I say, put feet on your pray on your prayers, put feet on your spells. And that is part of ethics. You can't just say, I need a new job. I need a new job. Let me cast a spell for a new job. Let me pray for a new job. And you sit at home And you never fill out an application. You never call anyone. You never do anything. Mm. Sure, miracles happen, but you have to put the work in. And putting the work in is part of the ethics. But also you have to consider, is this really the best thing to do? And this comes into play a lot with love magic and stepping on somebody's sovereignty and really forcing situations that you shouldn't. I I had a client Mm. who came into me and she told me that she had done love magic to bind a man to her some 15, 20 years ago. So now 20 some years, 15, 20 years later, she's married to someone else. And she still has this fellow that's calling her and texting her and saying that he loves her and she can't get rid of him. But she unethically did magic on him all those years ago. And that stuff is powerful. And so now she can't get rid of him. Mm. And that's just one example. There's, there's so many different examples of really looking at ethics. And I just, I think that as far as love relationship, magic, any, anything someone is thinking about doing, consider if there's something that you can do in the real world, consider if you are, getting into crossing someone's free will and consider if there's another way to word it. There's another time that a woman came to me and she asked me to create a sigil, which is, it's like a magical spell that's written as a symbol. And so she asked me to create a sigil to bring her husband back to her. And he had cheated on her many times and he was verbally abusive. And so I'm thinking this guy is not a nice person but she was in love. She wanted him back. And I said, my ethics will not allow me to create this for you, but let's see what we can do. And so we reworded the intention that I was using to create the sigil. And I said that someone would be drawn to her that would treat her well and would be a good partner. And she was okay with me creating a sigil of that. And that was open-ended. The husband could come back if he was going to treat her well. Someone else could come back. But I still created a sigil. It was still about love, but it was an ethical sigil as opposed to I'm going to force this cheating man to come back, which would not have been good for either one of them. Mm, Beautiful. And I guess another question one could ask is, would I like this that I want to impose on another person be done to me? Mm -hmm. I mean, would I be happy with that if someone cast a spell on me to 
force me or entice me or make me do something I wouldn't want to do, just to flip the coin and look at it from another perspective, which is really what life is about. You know, don't do unto others that you wouldn't want to be done unto yourself. So anything that I do, I always think about how would I feel if this was done back to me? And like I was talking about before, about not doing anything, not cursing, not hexing anyone who's ever done terrible things to me, Mm. that also comes into play because there is nobody in my past, no matter what they have done to me, that I am willing to take more pain, more sorrow, or more whatever would the universe would send to them yeah. on me by doing that. Like we talked about before, the cause and effect, mm-hmm. the universe is going to take care of it. I'm not going to get involved in that. And so you do have to think about that. You have to think about every single thing you do. You have to ask yourself, am I willing to have this done to me as well? Mm. Yes. So how do you heal painful relationships, painful situations from the past, people who say have hurt you? How do you heal the past or the trauma of the past? A lot of what I guide people in doing and what I had to do myself was a lot of shadow work. So you are getting and digging out all that stuff that happened, bringing it to light, and really trying to figure out what am I telling myself? What's in my mind? What do I need to reprogram in my mind? Hypnosis is great for that, but it sounds easy. It is not. It's a, it's hard work. It's the hardest work you'll ever, you'll ever do, but to deal with the past trauma all those things like that, you really have to bring them to light and see them as they are and take away all the lies and see it just as the facts, the factual story, the emotions that you felt at the time, and really rewriting that into a way that you can go forward from that. I think forgiveness is a big thing as well, forgiving other people and forgiving ourselves Someone in my school, when I went to school at um, Sweeha Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, she said that we did the best we could with what we had at the time. Yes. Mm. That has helped so many clients and it helped me too. With all the resources we had, we did the best we could. And that's almost like a statement of forgiveness as well. And there's so many different things that you could use for healing. Tapping is great. For, for shadow work and get, getting rid of, of that meditation. There's spells and rituals you can do. You could counseling and psychiatry and psychology and all those things put together. There's so many resources. It's not just one thing, you know, burn a candle, write a, write a paper and burn it and it's done. Sometimes it takes many things to get over that. And it took me many years of a lot of darkness and being in a very deep, dark place to get to the point where mine, mine started with learning to love myself. And so someone who's listening, if you are having trouble with the past, look at that first. Are you loving yourself? Are are you looking at yourself in the mirror, able to stare? Sometimes I tell my clients to stare for five minutes into your Mm -hmm. eyes and they don't want to do it. (laughs) As they practice and as they learn to love themselves, they can Mm -hmm. stand there for five, 10, 15 minutes or longer. But when they start, 
they can't even make eye contact with themselves for very long before all the tears and all the pain wells up. Yes, that's beautiful. And in fact, Mela, on one of your website, I found your quote, which I really love. And so I would like to, to read it out. Love yourself enough to say no. Set boundaries. Step into your personal power and take responsibility for how you act and react. Learn to bend and not break during stressful situation through resilience techniques. All these are great steps to truly being the author of your own story. You can write whatever kind of story you want, but it is yours to write. I just love it. That's everything I believe in a nutshell, I think. Yes. It's just so important. Sovereignty is something I teach on all the time. And sovereignty is just that ability to take control of how you act and how you react. We are sovereign creatures. And there's so much going on in the world always, every year, every day that we cannot control. But we can control how we act and how we react. And we can write our story around that. And yeah, I that is that's my heart. What you just read is my heart. Yes, I can tell. Thank you so much for sharing. And the energy that you would want to send to those people that had wronged you in the past, I guess would be the energy of unconditional love and forgiveness that you mentioned, because they need the healing too. They need to heal their wounds as well, you know, whether they are still with us or whether they moved on to, to, to another lifetime. What they did at the time that the energy that they created at the time came to being, so that energy exists. So I feel that sending them unconditional love and forgiveness to break that chain of the negative energy flowing and connecting uh, between the, the two of you is part of the healing process so that both you and them to move on and to heal the wounds. And you're right, it's not easy, but the good news is it can be done. It can be done. Now, speaking of magic spells, <laughs> coming to the juicy part now, <laughs> like mm-hmm. really juicy. <laughs> But now, <laughs> could you teach us some cool, positive magic spells that we can all do safely at home? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And some of the things that I've already talked about, you can take that and use that as spells as, as well. But there's a few that I was thinking about that uh, the listeners might be interested in. And one of them is just a very simple full moon release spell. And We need to release all the time. We always have things that get pent up inside of us. So whether we're talking about these really deep, dark childhood or trauma issues, or whether it's 
just anger from road rage or something like that. We're always releasing things and relationships and, and shifting. So a full moon to me, you've got that energy for three days. You've got the day before, the day of, and the day after. So you've got three days to do this release spell. You need a piece of paper, uh, a pen or a pencil, and some type of fire. So if you're doing it in a bowl, make sure it's a fire-safe bowl. And then you want to prepare for your ritual. I like to tell people that at least wash your hands. And then you go in, ground, center yourself, and then you want to write down on that paper whatever it is that you want to release. You can do this many different ways. It could be if it's one person, write them a letter and write out as much about the situation as you can. Or maybe it's a list of things or a relationship or an addiction. Just write it on this paper and then burn that paper and just visualize as it's burning that you are releasing these things and that is going up in smoke and just being released into the universe. So that's a very simple full moon release spell that people can do. And there's a couple that you can do for protection. I think protection is something that people are interested in. Yes. Yes. So for a house protection, you can take four small mirrors. If you don't have any mirrors, if you don't have a craft store or something like that, you can just break an old CD because they have that one mirrored side. So break an old CD into four parts or get four mirrors and then bury them on the four corners of your home or your apartment building and make sure that the shiny side is facing outward. So the mirrored side goes out and you could even bury some herbs with it for protection. Like rosemary is great for protection. Lavender is great for protection as well. And then black crystals are great. So black tourmaline or jet or those type of things, they absorb negativity. Or quartz. Quartz is good for everything. So you could put a little piece of quartz in all four corners. So you bury all that, state your intention that anything negative or harmful is going to reflect away Mm -hmm. from your home. And then once you've buried that over, you have put a protection spell upon your home. And then another protection spell you can do is called a witch bottle. You ever heard of a witch bottle? No. Tell us. Okay. So a witch (laughs) bottle is just a little jar. It It is one of the most ancient types of spells because they've actually dug up very old little witch Ah. bottles um, from that just had a lot of different ingredients in it, but get a little jar. I like the little jars that minced garlic comes in. You could buy a special little jar or you could just use something that has, you know, had olives or something in it and then add whatever you're drawn to, or you can look up ideas for protection. I've already said a few, but you could put herbs or plants or flowers, crystals, Quartz, I always put a little bit of quartz in my witch bottles. Coffee is a spell booster for anything. Mm. So add a little bit of coffee. It could be a coffee bean. It could be ground coffee. And then what you want to do is you want to fill the rest of your jar, no matter how big or small it is, with sharp things. So old rusty nails, rose thorns. Sometimes I find a dead bee. Uh, and I will put the dead oh. bee in my jar because it has the little stinger. Broken glass is great. The idea is that the negativity is going to get caught on the sharp and thorny edges. 
So you seal that up. A lot of times people will even put wax on the top of it to seal it. And then you can bury it under the steps of your front door. Or a lot of times you can just sit it uh, on your bookshelf or sit it in your house. And so it will collect that negative energy. And that's called a witch bottle. So it can be a jar. It doesn't have to be a bottle as such. It it can be a glass. Yeah, it it can be a jar, bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glass, glass is good. Yeah. Now, if you if you don't have readily lying around sharp little objects, can you break something, or it has to be already broken? You can break something. Okay. And you can go hunt around outside, and maybe you'll find rusty nails outside, or maybe you'll find uh, a pokey thorn from some tree or bush and just ask that if it's if it's still on the tree or the bush ask that tree or bush if you can have it off of it Mm -hmm. I like to have things that have already fallen to the earth if I take something from a tree or a a plant I will ask for permission but yeah, yeah you can find things anywhere and you can break it yourself if you have to just like I was talking about breaking that cd yeah oh beautiful beautiful thank you for sharing that's that's really cool. I'd like to go back to the moon spell because uh, we talked about the, uh, the full moon. Mm-hmm. What spell can we do on the new moon? On the new moon, a good way to remember what you're trying to do there is your, whatever you're starting new. So on the new moon, you are setting new intentions, you're starting new things. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you could use the same sort of spell just you're writing the things on the paper of what you want to start. What do you want new? Are you trying to manifest a new job? Are you trying to manifest money to pay your bill next week? And write that down. And as you burn it, instead of releasing it as no longer having it, your intention, because again, intention is key. Your intention is that you are, that's Mm. right, your energy of whatever you're wanting is being sent out into the universe. But I really like planting something for new, for new moons. So if it's the time of year that you can plant things, plant seeds or plant a a bush or a bulb. And this is a perfect thing to do on a new moon. Again, you've got those three days and as you plant it, set your intention for whatever new thing you want Hmm. to actually come into your life. And as the plant or the bulb grows, so does whatever it is that you're pulling into your life. Oh, I love this one. Well, I love all of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think there is a, there is a witch somewhere then there in me. (laughs) inside of me. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I find that a lot with people. They don't realize they've got a witch inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this conversation and we are not finished yet. We're not, we're not done yet. Another juicy little topics I would like to dive into. I love exploring the mystery of sleep and dreams mm. as this is a dimension between this reality and the other side. In fact, just a while ago, I did a podcast called We Are Avatars, which is a channeled information about why we sleep, what happens when we go to sleep, where do we go, what's the purpose, etc. So could you talk to dream and sleep magic, as I'm sure there is plenty to do and understand in this space? 
dream and sleep magic is so important because a lot of people don't realize how much time they spend dreaming. I read somewhere that if you live to be 80 years old, you have spent 10 years of your life dreaming, a decade Mm. dreaming. So with sleep magic and dream magic, why not use that 10 years to actually be doing something, to actually be creating something? So, So for me, sleep magic is really around having good sleep, healing your body, our bodies heal during sleep. It's about nightmares, not having nightmares and that sort of thing. And then the dream magic is where we kind of get into that lucid dreaming and incubating our dreams and wisdom Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So with sleep magic, there are all sorts of things that you can do to help yourself sleep. And there's one that is just taking a cup of chamomile and having chamomile tea. And as you are drinking that chamomile tea, just set the intention that this is going to help me sleep. I'm going to heal my body while I sleep and I won't have nightmares and I'll wake up refreshed in the morning. That is so simple. And it's like a prayer, right? It sounds like prayer, but that is sleep magic that you can do. Mm. There's all sorts of things you can tuck under your bed. So just like we were talking about crystals for protection, there are crystals that you can look up on many charts. I can't think of any offhand, but crystals that will help you sleep. Well, rose quartz. Rose quartz is the heart chakra. And so anything that is helping with self-love and peace and tranquility is going to help with that. Blue stones probably as well. But I'm sure there's some stones that are very specifically for helping you sleep better. I think that that time when you are falling asleep or that time when you are waking up, that's considered liminal space. So that's Mm -hmm. that hedge that I was talking about. That's Mm -hmm. that place where you can get into the green wild, as I call it. And so yes, and, and that space is so important. And that's the space that I put my clients in for past life regressions and that sort of thing for hypnosis. And that space is prime opportunity for you to program your your dreams. If you've got something that's really bothering you, if you're trying to solve an issue, if you can't find your keys, then as you are falling asleep, channel that, use that and say, all right, I want to dream tonight about where I put my keys or I want to dream tonight about what I should do about my job or what I should do about my relationship, or where I should move. And then as you get, and just keep saying it until you fall asleep. That's how you incubate dreams. And that's really when you get into the dream magic, because then you get in there and you are having all these symbols, because that's how we dream. We dream in symbols, just like psychic information that comes to us. It's symbols, and we have to figure out what symbols mean to us. That's why it's great to have a journal, have a dream journal right by your bed or record it into your phone if that's how you want to do it. But you have to have a way of recording all these symbols so that you can figure out, okay, what am I being told? What's the answer? Because you're not always going to get a dream that says, all right, this is where you should move. Sometimes you might. Just this week, my mother 
had a dream and she called me up a couple days ago and said that in her dream, she was given dog tags that had her aunt's name on it. And her aunt is probably 80 years old or so, 75 or 80. So, so fairly old. She hadn't talked to her in a lot of years, but I said, you know, being given the dog tags, I think that means that she has died. And so I did a Google uh, Google search, and sure enough, a couple months ago, my great aunt had died. And my mother had this symbol, and if she hadn't really explored it, it could just be, hey, I, I was given dog tags. But that is a symbol. What You are shipped dog tags when someone dies in the military. Yeah, and and so that's you know an example of a of a wisdom of a of a side dream they call it a psychic dream yeah. that was giving information to my mom. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta, the optimal frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand. I have created an instructional Theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive Theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about Theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Yes, absolutely. That's a very good example. I actually use the theta state in my meditations, and I teach theta meditation how to slow down your brain waves to get into this meditative state. One other question I was going to ask you about dreams. Is there something that we can do to remember our dreams? I recently took a class that was about dreaming with the bees. It was on bee shamanism. And in this class, the teacher taught us, and it, and it has worked for me. She taught us this technique where when, when you wake up, go over your dream. Don't, don't get up and go to the bathroom. Don't even start writing in your journal. Just be still for a moment and replay your dream in your mind and then go to your journal or whatever you need to do. Because if you get right out of bed or you go to checking your phone or talking to your partner or whatever it is, the dream is gone a lot of times. So you have to take that moment to just lay there and replay as much as you can remember. And she also said that you don't have to remember everything in the dream. That if one word sticks out, if one picture or symbol sticks out, that's what you need to just go over. So just ask that whatever you need to know, that would come to mind and then go from there. And that has helped me out a lot. Yes, because our dreams come from our subconscious from the quantum field, from the quantum mind. It's a very powerful state of our mind. And as you said, we spend one third of our life in there. <laughs> yeah, 10 years. So, yes, it's a... Now, Mela, my favorite question <laughs> from the quantum perspective. Mm -hmm. How do you practice witchcraft 
through the lens of the quantum reality? And is it one and the same? I ask this question because I know that you are very aware and very connected with the concept of, of quantum reality, obviously. So what I find fascinating, and I would like to bridge at this point in the mm-hmm. in our conversation, is the the ancient concept and craft of witchiness <laughs> or witchcraft practice in the context of our modern contemporary understanding of the quantum reality. And again, is it one and the same? I think it is. I think that everyone is has their own flavor of looking at energy and looking at their spirituality, but it's like a flavor of ice cream. You've still got the cream. You've still got the eggs. You've still got that ice cream. It's just, we all have a different flavor. And so for me, I feel like not all of my friends, not all of my witchy friends have the same views that I do, but I still have my own flavor. That's why I'm walking my own path. And I see how connected we are to energy. I see the energy fields and I see that magic is shifting your reality. It it, it is that, that quantum physics going on. We are creating our reality. And it just so happens that I call it magic. And it just so happens that I say that I'm casting a spell, but I'm not doing anything different than someone else who might call it something different. It's all the same thing. We are interconnected completely and we have the ability to shift and transform our life in so many ways and transform our world my my family line has a lot to do with weather magic so i have appalachian uh appalachian heritage and so when i go outside many many times i am able to change the weather around me that is one of the things that is just It's just in my blood. I've learned a lot of other things, but that's in my blood. And and so I will go out there and a storm's coming and I'll push it away. I've had full moon ceremonies and I have drummed in a circle for 20 minutes. And I told them the rain will stop at eight o'clock. And at eight o'clock, it went away. I mean, it's just something that I do. And to other people, they say, I don't know what you're doing. But to me, I'm just transforming the energy around me. I'm just shifting the reality around me. And that's to me what magic is. And so, you know, your question is a one and the same. Someone else may say no, but the way I see it, it absolutely is the same. Yes, absolutely. When doing quote unquote witchcraft, or casting spells, we are essentially using our intention, thoughts, and emotional states to change the reality, which is the quantum principle. So the earliest witches back in the day were the first quantum manifestors. Absolutely. Because they understood, they didn't call it quantum, maybe some did, (laughs) (laughs) the medicine men and women, they understood the nature of reality, Mm -hmm. that it is all energy. And with our thoughts, intention, and emotional states, whether we rattle the bones, (laughs) (laughs) 
while doing it or whether we let it handle or whether we just sit quietly, we are manifesting and we are changing our reality or our perception of our reality in the quantum field. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think that sometimes as humans, we love ritual, we love ceremony, we love pomp and circumstance. And so do I feel like if I go and dance around a fire and and shake my bones and, and play my drum, am I any more powerful than someone who is just meditating? No, that's just how I've chosen to do it. Yes, beautiful. So we've come to full circle and I'm loving it. Okay, please tell us about your products, your services, your courses. You've got a few websites, and obviously I will include all this information in the show notes so that people can find find it and find you. But just could, could you give us an overview of your offerings and, and how you can work with people, please? I have the Green Wild Mystical Academy, which is an online school at greenwildacademy.thinkific.com. I teach a lot of classes there. I have a few other teachers, but one of the things that we offer are three levels of courses about paganism and magic and witchcraft. The level one course is totally free. A lot of people are involved in that and they find it very helpful. And then there's a small cost for the level two and the level three. I also teach a course on spiritual gifts. I have one coming up that is called Intuition Bootcamp to help you really hone into your intuition. There's a kids class that has some videos all about paganism for children and what that means. I do (laughs) group past life regressions on there. There's all sorts of things. So check out Greenwild Mystical Academy. And then we've Mm -hmm. also got the Greenwild Festival for Witches and Mystics coming up, which is an online festival on November 13th of this year, 2021, a day-long festival that we're going to do magic together. We're going to have workshops. I have Uh. people from all over the world coming to do different workshops And we're going to, I'm going to talk about the witch wound and it's just, we can be in community. So that's going to be a great thing. You also mentioned my podcast, Bell, Book and Candle. Yes. And I would love to have people go there. I've got wonderful guests that come and talk about so many different things, witchy wellness. Not all of the guests are witchy, but they all have something that we all need Mm. to hear. And then my business, Three Rays of Light, I do hypnosis, past life regression, spiritual coaching. I go out and cleanse houses. You know, if you're in the South Carolina area <laughs> and you got a, a, a baddie in your home, I can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Do you do online house clearing? I have not yet. The only thing that I've ever done is help someone do the cleansing themselves that I was looking through their okay. home camera. I can though. So I don't have to be there. I can because energy is energy. I don't have to be there to do it. So I can help anyone anywhere. Yes. Beautiful. Well, what a smorgasbord of uh, <laughs> of wonderful offerings. I need to check out that, that festival that, that's coming hey. up. Okay. And as I said, I will include all the info in the show notes. And by the way, in, regarding your podcast, I have listened to several of your episodes. And I just would like to say, to encourage everyone, if you are interested in these topics, to please listen to Mela's podcast. It is wonderful. It is of high quality. 
It has a variety of topics, wonderful, wonderful guests. So I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and I would encourage everyone to click on the link that you will find in the show notes and listen to that podcast as well. Thank you. Okay, Mela, what would be your key message for our audience, a key takeaway that would lift their spirits? Whether you identify as a witch or not, and labels don't really matter, the thing is, is you are an incredibly gifted and magical being. You have the power to transform your life in so many ways. So never forget that power you have inside of you. Don't forget to take care of you to show love to yourself, and to draw in that innate power to take control of your own sovereignty, how you act and how you react. You are powerful, and you can tap into that power to change your life so that it looks like how you want it to look. Thank you so much, Mela. Well, this has been a truly magical conversation, and I'm I'm so grateful for your beautiful presence, for your beautiful energy, and your words of wisdom and all the secrets, witchy (laughs) secrets that you have shared with us and spells and magic. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that our listeners will love this conversation too. So thank you. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.